Good morning. Let me add my welcome to that of Tom. My name's Andrew, and as Tom has said, I'm the uh, lay reader here, which is a bit of an old-fashioned uh, title, uh, but it basically means I've got a piece of paper from the Bishop of Rochester that says I can stand here, which is great, isn't it? Um, anyhow, as we begin to look at God's Word, let's, let's begin with a prayer, as we really ought to. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for having spoken to us through the words of the Bible. So please, Lord, help us now to hear your voice. Help us to understand, understand what you're saying to us and to put that message into action. Amen. We need to listen carefully. We need to listen carefully. There's a very old story about military orders. You've probably heard it, actually. But these orders were given during the time when instructions needed to be passed in a series of radio messages. And the story is told that the order was given, send reinforcements, we're going to advance send reinforcements, we're going to advance. And so one operator after another passed the message all the way along to the other. But in the end, it all went peep tong. It all went horribly, horribly wrong. The final message received was send three and four pence, we're going to a dance. We need to listen carefully. Let me also confess that I used to get very frustrated with my old mother for the problems caused because she constantly either lost or forgot to wear her hearing aid. And you can imagine how difficult it was to have a simple conversation with her. Um, I don't know if I've told you this story before, but I once said to her that we're going to holiday to Snowdonia. And she responded, what, Mongolia? No, Mum, Snowdonia, Mongolia. Well, I had to end that particular conversation, but I did end it by saying, yes, Mum, we're going on holiday to see Genghis Khan. <laughs> Sorry, Mum. <laughs> we might laugh at these stories, but poor communication can lead to terrible consequences. Miscommunication can lead to a complete catastrophe. You need to listen carefully. You could be going on a date, and you could get the time wrong. You could get the venue wrong, and you could miss out on love. You could miss out on finding your soulmate, all due to poor communication. Well, this morning we carry on our series in 1 Samuel. And it was three weeks ago that we began this series, and we heard of the deep, and painful anguish of a barren woman called Hannah. And she, year after year, with her husband and with his other wife, they went up to their, from their hometown to worship God in a place called Shiloh. And there she meets the priest Eli. And Hannah, Hannah prays in the bitterness of her soul. She's crying at this time. She's crying because she's barren. She thinks that God doesn't care for her. She's mocked for being barren by this other wife. And Hannah vows to God that if he would give her a son, 
that child will be given to the Lord to serve him all of his life. And God answered her prayer, and she was given birth, she gave birth to a son who she named Samuel. And after Samuel was weaned, she took the young boy and gave him to the Lord to serve at Shiloh, this principal place of sanctuary, this place where the ark of the Lord was. It was their temple, effectively. And so, in chapter 2, verse 11, you can hear that Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. And it's that very same phrase that's repeated as we begin to open chapter 3 on page 297, which you really will find useful to have open in front of you. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in the following verses, as Steve has read to us, you will have heard that the Lord God speaks directly to the boy Samuel. And at first, it all appears to be going horribly wrong, doesn't it? It could have been a catastrophe for Samuel, and ultimately a catastrophe for the whole people of God if it had continued to go all wrong. But God continued to speak and call the young lad Samuel again and again until he not only listened carefully, but he understood the voice was actually from God. And so that line of communication was firmly established and no mistakes were being made, no wrong conclusions. And by the end of the chapter, God's word to his people Israel was being heard by all through Samuel, who was now attested as a prophet of the Lord. And this chapter is a great account of a great transformation for the people of God. Because did you notice the second half of our opening verse? What was the position of God's people at that time? 3, verse 1. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Well, verse 1 describes a very sad state of affairs in the nation of Israel. The word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. How, how had it come to this? What was going wrong for God's people? Why was God not speaking and not appearing to Israel? Because fundamentally, they'd stopped listening to God. They had turned from God, and so his judgment was effectively upon them. There was this famine, you could say, in the land, not a famine of bread or water, but a famine of the word of God. If you were to look back to the book of Judges, that sums up right at the end where the nation of Israel stood before God. The last verse of that book ends, in those days... Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Everyone did as he saw fit. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Definitely sounds familiar to me. In many ways, society today has not changed in that people still carry on doing whatever they want to. There's no regard for God and for what he has said. People have given up listening to God, and so anything goes. And to quote Frank Sinatra, when our time is near, at the end of our life, people, they rejoice, don't they, to sing, I did it my way. Proud 
of the fact they made the choices they wanted. But God, God calls us to live his ways, not my way, but his ways. And one reason the people here were so far from God was the complete contempt of God being shown by Eli's two sons, who have got their names right. It's Hopnia and Phineas. And it is worth looking back into chapter 2. In fact, I'll have to read some of the verses for you um, to just see how wicked these two sons were. If you look back at chapter 2 and verse 12 in particular, Eli's sons were described, as I said, as wicked men, scoundrels, or, or worthless men in other translations. Why? Because they had no regard for the Lord. Look, what look what's happening here. I'm going to read verses 13 through to 17. Now, it was the practice of the priests with the people that whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, and while the meat was being boiled, the servant of the priest would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand. He would plunge it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself whatever the fork brought up. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the servant of the priest would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the man said to him, let the fat be burned up first and then take whatever you want, the servant would then answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Now, we may not fully understand what's uh, going wrong here, because we're not steeped in the Old Testament uh, sacrificial system and practices, but I think we can see quite clearly, we, I think we can see quite clearly what fundamentally is going wrong here. The two priests were effectively thieves, con men, bullies. And in verse 22, they also slept with the women who served at the tent of meeting at their very place of work, where people, what are they doing? People are going to worship and sacrifice to God. But these two priests are turning the tabernacle into a brothel and worship of God had become a complete farce. Yes, this was very, very serious. These priests who, what are they meant to do? They're meant to be setting an example, aren't they? They're meant to be leading people to worship God, ministering to God, and yet they're treating God with sheer contempt. So, no wonder, at chapter 3, verse 1, no wonder... The word of the Lord was rare in those days. No wonder that God's righteous judgment was upon Eli and his sons. His sons were out of control. And although Eli rebukes them, he should have actually removed them completely. And the days were numbered for Eli and his sons. Sounds very serious, doesn't it? Sounds very grim. But amidst this we hear the story of this little boy called Samuel. And what's Samuel doing? 
he's learning to serve the Lord. Let me read verses 2 and 3. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Interesting, isn't it? The nation of Israel is in spiritual darkness. And what about Eli himself? His own physical sight is also failing. And it's night time that the Lord God is still working out his purposes, despite all the failures of his people, and especially the failures of those two priests. God calls out to Samuel. And it is a a fun story. It's 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 a lovely story, isn't it? Samuel hears the voice, and it's pretty obvious what he does, isn't it? He goes to the person who he knows is nearby. Eli, you called me, didn't you? No, I didn't. Go back to bed. Go back to bed. Verse 4, for the second time. The Lord called the boy Samuel. And he answered, here I am. But again, he ran to Eli because he thought it was Eli who was calling him. No, Eli says, it wasn't me. Go back to bed. And then we have a third time. Again, the Lord called out to Samuel. And again, the boy goes to Eli and says, you called me. As I was reading through this, let me suggest um, I had my mind thinking of a scene from Dad's Army. You could almost hear Captain Mannering say of Private Pike, stupid boy. But God is not, God is not treating Samuel like that, is he? He's not shaking his head at Samuel. He's not heaving some exasperated sigh. Because, verse verse 7, let me read that to you. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. But at this third time, in verse 8, God calls out to Samuel. And finally, the penny drops for Eli. Eli has that light bulb moment, doesn't he? Because he realizes it must have been God calling out to the boy Samuel. This young lad who is learning to properly serve the Lord, as opposed to Eli's own two sons, who had completely failed to serve God properly. And whilst God may be speaking of his judgment, may be speaking here of giving up on Eli and his two sons, God is still at work. He has not given up on his people. He's providing godly leadership for his people through Samuel. fourth time he calls. Verse 10 is wonderful in my view. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. So not only does the passage speak of the word of the Lord, but verse 10 describes the Lord coming and standing there calling Samuel. And this time, Samuel can respond to the person speaking to him. He can respond to the Lord and he can say, Speak, for your servant is listening. 
Samuel is now ready to listen carefully to the Lord and all that God will tell him now and throughout the rest of his life. No more miscommunication, no more jump into wrong conclusions, no more misunderstandings. Your servant is listening. Well, for most Christians, our experience, our light bulb moment is not like this really, is it? We don't receive uh, a type of direct divine revelation. We're not being called to become a prophet for God's people. But in a similar way, we do need to hear, don't we? We need to hear, to listen carefully to the word of God, which we hear through the words of the Bible. We're also called, aren't we, to serve God. And we need, like Samuel, to acknowledge we are ready for whatever God calls us to do. Now, bear in mind, Samuel is just a young boy at this stage. He receives from God a very hard and difficult message, a difficult message he needs to tell to the people of God. Look at verse 11. The Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. Ears are about to tingle. That's not just a little tap on the back of the ear for the people to pay attention. This is a terrifying message of extreme judgment. Eli had failed to restrain his sons and they had refused to acknowledge their great sin and they refused to change their ways. They refused to repent. And therefore, if you refuse to do what God says, if you continue to treat God with contempt, there is no forgiveness available, is there? Any sacrifice or offering cannot possibly please God if you are refusing to honour him. And as I said, remember Samuel is just a boy and he's receiving this type of message from God. Well, no wonder that he, he lay down afterwards. If he'd managed to get to sleep, it would have been a difficult sleep. And verse 15 suggests he was afraid to tell Eli this vision because it's not good news, is it? And if this was a TV show, we would pause for adverts now, wouldn't we, with the tension here. Will Samuel pass on this message? Find out later, after the break. And then we go back, don't we? And we perhaps we have this sort of verses which seem to suggest that Eli's somehow trying to avoid seeing, uh, sorry, Samuel's trying to avoid seeing Eli. But finally, he has to speak to him. And Eli, of course, he wants to know everything that God has said to Samuel. Now, truth is at stake here, and the word of God must be taken seriously. Eli says to the boy, do not hide it from me, or God may deal with you very severely. The word of God is important. It must be declared. It must be passed on. And so verse 18, so Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. At least Eli acknowledges that God is in control and God has the right to do what God wants to do. 
He must do it. He must stamp out evil. And then the whole chapter finishes with a summary of Samuel growing up. A summary of his early years are now, uh, is, is now recorded there. there. These years are now complete. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. What a contrast there was from the start of the chapter to the end. A time when the word of the Lord was rare to a time when the word of the Lord was being heard by all. Well, how do we respond to this great story in 1 Samuel chapter 3? Well, let us be people who listen to what God has said. Let's listen to what God has said. Hebrews chapter 1 says that in the past God spoke through these prophets. But for us, living in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son, the Lord Jesus. So we must therefore take Jesus seriously because his word is powerful. We can also thank God for what Jesus has achieved on the cross where through his sacrifice our sins have been dealt with if we confess them, if we acknowledge our sin, if we repent, something that Eli's sons refused to do, and so their end was near. Let us also be people who pray for our world, a world which is in darkness, a world that needs God's people to go out as salt and light to point people towards the amazing grace of God and point people towards Jesus, the true king of the world. Let's pray also for churches to faithfully teach the word of God. Too many churches simply do not preach the gospel. Instead, they simply concentrate on being a nice place to meet and they concentrate on social action. Now, both of those are very important for a church. But the word of God, the word of God must be a priority. A message of judgment as well as a message of hope and comfort. Both need to be equally preached. People are perishing, you see, without Jesus. So this morning, if God calls you to advance... Don't go to a dance. And you certainly don't want me trying to lead that dance. I've got no movement at all. If God calls you to go out to a foreign land, let's respond as we should. If he says Mongolia, then don't head off to Snowdonia. It is beautiful to holiday in Wales, I will tell you that, with all those mountains. But God might be telling you it is Mongolia where you are to serve him. And as we close, let's thank God that he, well, for the most fundamental thing, he did not give up on his people. And he continues not to give up on his people. He continues to work out his purposes. Let's pray.
Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for calling Samuel to this important and vital task of bringing your word to your people. Help us to listen carefully to your word, to take it seriously and to respond as we should. Help us to be servants of you. Help us not to be afraid to speak of judgment as well as to tell people the glorious good news of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>